Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. This morning, what I'm led to speak, which I spoke this morning as well, um, is the home that Jesus uses. You know, because I believe each of our home has a purpose, has a missional purpose. And I was asked to speak on a missional home. So I thought I would take an example of a home from God's word and also help you to see what a home that God loves and God wants to use will have as characteristics. So that's what I'm going to speak. But before we do that, shall we pause and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We come into your presence again. We ask you to speak to our hearts, strengthen us and enable us to not only be hearers, but enable us to be doers of your word, Lord. To that end, we surrender ourselves. We give you all the glory, honor, power and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the roof above Jesus, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Often we have heard this passage in the context of the faith of those four friends who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. Or we have heard, you know, in the context of the miracle that happened. But what we sometimes miss out is the fact that this miracle happened in somebody's home. You know, the Bible says in, in, in the first verse, you know, people heard that he had come home. Now the question is, whose home is it? Whose home did Jesus go? Was it Jesus' home? This is not Jesus' home because Jesus, uh, you know, grew up uh, in Nazareth. And uh, Capernaum was a place he used for ministry. And we know that it is not Jesus' home. um, Because he never had a house in Capernaum. So whose home is Mark referring to? To understand that you have to look at chapter 1. Because when Mark was writing, he was not writing chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 and 3 and all that. All these divisions came only 500 years back. Before that it was written as a letter. You know, after that we put all those numbers. This morning I was saying, if you tell, you know, John, the writer of the gospel, you know, John 3.16, he will ask, what is that? Because he don't under, he didn't put any number to what he was writing. So, when we look at Mark chapter 1, we understand that Jesus had visited the home of Simon Peter. Let me read from verse 29 onwards, just to help you get the context. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went in with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. 
So they went to her, took her hand and helped her get up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. Verse 33 says, the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed, you know, many who had various diseases. So the whole town gathered at the door of this house that Jesus was now visiting again. So already there was an outdoor crusade that happened in this home. And Jesus had left Capernaum and now he has come back home and people heard that he has come home and so people gathered there. Now, it really does not matter whose home it is. But what really matters, you know, when Mark was writing the gospel, for him to just write this as the home in Capernaum where Jesus came, almost makes us Feel that this was Jesus' home, isn't it? When we, if we don't know the context, when we read, we will think it's Jesus' home. You know, which means this was probably a home where Jesus probably frequented and worked. If you, if you read the history of this home at Capernaum, you know, we understand this, this home actually existed as a place of worship for almost 300 AD. Okay, that's part of my research when I was doing, I understood that this home actually existed as a place of worship uh, for almost 300 years after this. So this was a home that was almost known as Jesus' home. If somebody's home has to be known as Jesus' home, that means it should be a home where Jesus felt at home, isn't it? You know, we... If you feel, you know, at home in some home, which is not your home, that means you feel at home there, which means you have so much of freedom there, isn't it? You can enter anywhere, you can, you know, be anywhere and then you can feel at home. That's what, that's what, that's when you will call it as, you know, as your home. Now, when Jesus went into this home, people all gathered there. That means people felt, you know, people felt, you know, sorry, Jesus felt this as his own home. And I believe, you know, if Jesus has to feel himself so comfortable, this should have been a home that honored Jesus. And I'm going to expand on the word H-O-M-E for you to follow what I'm going to say. Okay, a home that Jesus uses. The first criteria I would say should be a home that honors Jesus. Now when I say, you know, it should be a home that honors Jesus, it should be a home where Jesus can feel comfortable with whatever is happening there. Isn't it? I see a lot of young people in this service. You know, will Jesus be comfortable if Jesus visited your room? Will Jesus feel comfortable if he is watching the same thing you are also watching? Or the text that you are sending, will he feel comfortable with the same thing? Is Jesus honored in our home? You know, sometimes it's easy to honor Jesus in the church. Singing the right songs, doing the right thing, reading the right Bible. I mean, I have to say, right Bible, now Now there's a LGBT Bible also that has come. 
you know, so there are new Bibles coming, you know, so reading the right Bible, all these things that we feel we're doing the right thing. But my dear friends, it's good for us to ask ourselves, are we really honoring Jesus? I remember when our youth days we did a skit. The skit is like this, you know, suddenly Jesus calls up, okay, and he says, I'm coming to your home, to this young guy. He said, Jesus, you're coming to my home. And then this guy goes and clears his room and put all the garbage, everything, his uh, liquor bottle and everything in a certain room and locks it up. Now, when Jesus comes to his home, he, you know, keeps his old Bible dusted and all that. And he keeps it and says, Jesus, this is a Bible for you to read. And he makes them sit and say, you know, be comfortable. I'll get you tea. But Jesus actually gets up and starts walking towards that room which he has locked. And each time he goes, he says, no, no, Jesus, don't go there. You know, come and sit here. And then he always pulls him and gives him that chair to sit in the drawing room alone. He doesn't want him to enter into that secret room where he's kept all his treasures there. Now, he keeps doing it, but every time Jesus goes this, goes here, he says, no, 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 don't do this. First he told mildly, softly, and after a few times he got frustrated. And then the skit ends by, you know, this guy going and saying, if I tell you like this, you won't listen. Let me do what I have to do. And takes his hands and crucifies him, crucifies his hand and his leg and says, you now be here, don't go anywhere else. Many times this is how we are actually doing We like Jesus to come only to certain places where we are comfortable. We don't want Jesus to come everywhere else. We want him to be stuck to some places. Some things are private. Some things, you know, we don't want anybody to have a look at. I do not know if there are people here who have that Private space, only entry for yourself. No entry for anybody else. This is my private message. This is my private stuff. And if you are doing that, I want to say that Jesus is interested in those areas of your life. I don't know to whom I'm speaking. You need to honor God in those areas that you are keeping it secret. Whatever that may be. Unless Jesus have access to every area of your life, let's not fool ourselves. He needs to have access to all areas of our life for him to be comfortable. Is Jesus getting frustrated being with us or excited about being with us? I think this is something that we need to think and ask ourselves this morning. So a home that honors Jesus is very important. The second thing that I see here, the Bible says they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. See again the door, you can see. The first, when we read, we said the meeting was happening outside their door. Now, people have gathered both inside the house and there is no place 
even outside the door. That means it's packed. The whole town has gathered there. The second aspect of a home that Jesus uses or a missional home is a home that is open to the needs of others. Open to the needs of others. My dear friends, here is a home that attracted so many people to their home. Today, again, we have very private space in our home or our home itself is limited to some people. We have those big boards, beware of dogs, so that nobody will come closer. But here was a home that was open, open to the needs of the community, open to the needs of the people. And an open house requires an open heart. Unless you have an open heart, you can't have an open home. And another thing is, this home could attract others because Jesus was there. The presence of Jesus made this home an attractive home. Because light does not need any advertisement. Wherever there is the light of Jesus, that light will attract And people will come there. You don't need to go and say, I am light, I am light, I am light and advertise yourself. I am a Christian, I am a Christian. Needn't have to advertise. When you live out, when you bear the fruit of the Spirit, everybody will see. Let your light shine before men. That they will see and give glory to whom? The Father in heaven. And that's what we need. India needs desperately homes that are open. I can go on with so many stories. Four o'clock in the morning at Bangalore, I had a knock at the door. Just before the knock, I had a phone call. And this call was from a girl, I mean, who was our staff. And she said, Sir, there will be somebody at your door in minutes. By the time I answered the call, there was the knock at the door, desperate knock. We opened the door and this girl was still wearing the tag of her office. A software company that she was working in. She has the tag. And she was roaming around that entire area that night. Because of the fight she had with her husband. Her husband kicked her out. She didn't know where to go. And in some conversation with this staff of ours. This girl, you know, this girl had told this person. That this is a place where they help families. And this girl was searching around that night for our house. And she was knocking. And finally she couldn't find the place that, you know. uh, And so she called up the staff of ours and then she directed her to our house. At four o'clock in the morning. The moment I opened the door, stranger, totally stranger. This girl barged into our house 
crying out aloud. She was holding on till that. She was crying out aloud and saying, I earned 30,000. My husband earned 1 lakh. But we don't have peace, sir. We don't have peace, sir. People are looking for homes all around. They want to pour their hearts. They want to tell their needs. They want somebody to pray for. Ministry is becoming an answer to somebody's prayer. Your neighbor's prayer is answered through your home. Because you opened the door. Because of your open heart, you have opened the door for people to come in and to be blessed. It's easy to sometimes to bring them to church. But I would challenge you. Open your home. Open your private space. And let that space be invaded by somebody in need. And let them be blessed. And that's what happened in Mark 2. Isn't it? So many people came. When we first went to Gulbarga, that's the mission field that we worked after our theological studies. We didn't know how to go about actually working with the student community there. Gulbarga is in North Karnataka. You know, it's a very hot place. Um, not many would like to go. And that's the prayer we actually prayed while we were in the seminary. Lord, take us to a place of need. Take us to a place not many want to go. Take us to a place in your will. And if you pray such prayer, God will answer. You know, And God answered the prayer. And God took us you know, to a place of need. And when we didn't know how to start the ministry... Sibi and me, my wife and me, we decided to just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, send us people. And we started praying. And when we started going and, you know, visiting these uh, colleges, some of the students whom we met, they started visiting our home. And while they started visiting our home, we said, why don't we start a Wednesday prayer? They said, fine. And so the first week we had around 25 students, you know, uh, then the next week, 40 students, and then it just climbed up. And within four or five weeks, we had close to a 100 students, which we didn't know how to accommodate in our house. So actually, people were peeping through the windows to participate in the prayer meeting. So while this was happening, our neighbors became quite uh, curious. They wanted to know how come, because at four o'clock, so many auto rickshaws will ply to our house. So they were very curious, how come this is happening? So, you know, as uh, we do, we don't ask the person directly. We'll ask each other or neighbor, no, what is happening? So they asked one of our students who came, what is happening here? And they said, we are coming here to pray. And this was a doctor's family just who stayed across our home. One morning as I was sipping my coffee and I was looking out, I saw this doctor, you know, wearing his shorts, going for his morning walk. And suddenly he stopped at the gate of my house, put a sign of a cross, and then he went back. (laughs) And I thought I didn't see it correctly, because I know he's not a Christian, so I didn't see it correctly. So I waited there for some time, and this man again walked came to my gate, stood still, put the sign of the cross, and he went back. 
And I realized, oh my God, he's seeing this house as a church. Because people coming to pray. And isn't it true? Where two or three are gathered in his name. It is a sacred place. Because Jesus says, I will come there and be with you. And that is why I believe when you meet together to pray in one accord, He is going to be there. And so your home is no more a secret place, but it is a sacred place. It is a place where Jesus dwells. And it is a place that attracts everybody because Jesus is there, the light of the world. And I think India needs more homes like this. That's the only way to reach this nation. And we need more homes that are open to the needs of others. The third thing that I see here. The Bible says, and he preached the word to them. And he preached the word to them. John's gospel describes Jesus as Logos, the word. The word, preaching the word. Jesus was preaching the word to them. So this was a home that matured in God's word. A home where the word of God was discussed. The word was a word of God was taught. And it is not a temple, it is not a synagogue, it is in the home that Jesus is preaching the word. So I would say our homes should become homes where the word of God is preached and taught. Don't outsource your job to Sunday school and other works. If you are only having an appetite of God's word by the half an hour or 45 minutes of sermon on a Sunday morning, you are actually a starved Christian. Because that is only vitamin pills. You are not having regular kana. You know, have good food by meditating on God's word. And God's word is a lamp and a light unto my feet. Thy word that I've hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. If we need to keep our life from sin, if our children need to keep their lives from sin, word of God has to be pumped in, not the you know mega cereal and several other things that are being pumped into our our homes. How much is the word of God being pumped into our lives, in our homes, in our personal devotion? We live in a time where there is scriptural illiteracy. There is scriptural illiteracy. But there is enough of YouTube message. There is enough of, you know, messages. But many people do not know the word still because they are not imbibing it by digesting it, by understanding it. And I believe God is calling some of you to get serious with God's word so that you can mature in his word. You know, when I was growing up, Sunday used to be a terrible day. Because morning we have to go for the morning service at 7.30. And after that we have youth 
then the choir practice, then all those things. By the time you reach back home, it's almost 1.30, almost going to be 2. And morning in our home, compulsory fasting. So my mother will give us only one coffee or tea to drink in the morning, that's it. In some of your homes, probably you grew up in a tradition like that. So by 1.30 you are ravenous. You want to just eat each other. So when we come with that kind of an hunger, my mother, she will give some, you know, immediate uh, relief. Some two slices of bread with, uh, you know, a banana or something like that. And then she will open up Psalms, Sunny, Elder Son. Ah, you can memorize more verse. So say, take Psalm 119. And 2nd Son, 3rd Son, each one is given one one Psalm to memorize. Only if you memorize, you will get your food. Food is cooking. Nice smell of beef and everything is coming. There are times I have had lunch at 3.30 because those days only King James Version and I am trying to (laughs) with all those things trying to understand God's word and trying to but my mother will not you know will not uh, budge an inch those times I have thought Manasa Chila Rama But if I am standing here today, it is because of a mother who had insight and foresight. She knew that this is the one that is going to lead my sons and daughters. It is not the knowledge of the world. The one which equips him for eternal life is God's word. And give it. There are some parents who say, we don't force Bible to them. But they force food. They force uh, that one, this one. But Bible, we don't. I don't know what logic is this. Friends, if unless we mature in God's word, we will be swayed by all kind of teachings, all kind of things that is all around us. And our home will be destroyed. The home that is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ will only withstand the winds and the waves and the rain and the floods. All other things will be destroyed. So don't take the scripture lightly. Take it seriously. And the last thing that I see here, it says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because the house is packed, right? They could not get him to Jesus. What did they do? They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. So just above Jesus, they made an opening By digging through it, 
they lowered the mat, which means there was definite damage ceiling. You know, there was, it is not like, you know, sometime when I was growing up, we didn't read the Bible like this, so we thought of some bedsheet they was there, they just removed and put it down, you know, or something like that. But they were digging through it, which means there was definite damage to the, you know, roof. The fourth aspect that I want to say, this home was excited about God's kingdom. There was no grumbling about the broken roof. That night, when the family probably gathered, they were looking up and saying, Lord, today there shouldn't be rain. Literally, they were seeing stars. There's an opening in the roof now. But nobody grumbled. Nobody cried there. But instead, probably, I'm just imagining, knowing the enthusiasm of Peter, he would have said, praise the Lord. Though our roof is gone, one person got healed because of that. Because their excitement of the kingdom of God was so high. Yes, the first thing that Andrew did when he found the Messiah, the Bible says in John 1.41, he found his brother Peter, Simon, and told him, I found the Messiah. He found the Messiah. So this was a home that was excited about the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were excited about the kingdom of God. How many of us are excited about the second coming of Jesus? Though we say, oh, I, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. All those things we say, but we do as if he is not going to come anywhere now. How much of us are even having conversation about it? Is there a conversation in our home about his second coming? Is that a spiritual conversation that we are excited about the culmination of the kingdom when it will come in full force? We will be there. Living in that excitement and giving him the first priority. Excited about the kingdom of God. And that was this family. That was this brother's. No wonder Jesus picked up Two people from the same family to be his apostles. No democracy and all that, you know. Oh, every family only one, you know. He didn't say that. Twelve, at least twelve families will choose. No, two from the same family because they are excited about the kingdom of God. You be apostles. And so, my dear friends, as we come to a close. Is our priority Jesus? Is our excitement Jesus? Is our excitement the kingdom? Or are we running the same race everybody is running? For everybody is running for that, we are also running for that. Only thing we are praying to Jesus, they are praying to somebody else. Is that what is happening? Or are we really saying, no, his kingdom is on the move and we are excited and I am willing to do anything for his kingdom.
unless and otherwise we come to that point of a connection with Jesus, I think we will miss out. We will miss out. Let me close with this illustration which I said this morning as well. This is the hymn story of the hymn, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. This is a hymn written by Frances Havergill. And when she wrote this song, she says, Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. The next stanza says, Take my hands, let them move. Then, then it says, Take my lips and let me sing. And take my leg, you know, everything, take, 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 take. So after she composed the song, after three months, one day the Holy Spirit told her, what about that which you have collected and kept in your Alamara? You know, she used to collect jewels of silver and gold. So all that thing is there in the Alamara. And she's saying, take my hands, leg, mouth, everything is easy to give, no? What about that? She was convicted by the spirit. I believe in her autobiography she says she went and packed everything and sent it for missions. And then she says this is the best packing I've ever done. And the next answer after that she wrote Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Lord, I don't want to withhold anything. Take my silver, take my gold, take everything. That's the spirit I see in this home. Roof is gone, anything is gone, no problem. Take everything, Lord. But I want to belong to you. Unless and otherwise we come to a commitment like that. Give your all or not at all. No half-hearted commitment. That is not pleasing to God. Full. And when our homes are fully devoted to God for his purposes, then that home is a missional home. God will use it for his glory and for his purposes. And may God use our homes. H-O-M-E. What is it? Honoring God. Open to the needs of others. Maturing in God's word. And excited about God's kingdom. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Hallelujah. Even before I pray. If there's anyone saying, hey, this word was for me. I want to commit myself, my home, everything to the Lord. I want a full surrender. So that my home will be used by Jesus. Like the home in Capernaum. My life will be used by Jesus. If you are saying that, I would like you to stand up on your feet. And commit your home, commit your life to Jesus. Completely. Let him be glorified today. Let his name be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you. Because you are a prayer answering God. You know these, your children who have stood up with their desire 
to consecrate their homes to you Lord to be missional to fulfill the mission of God through their life and through their home through whatever you've given them Lord I pray that you will use it for your glory you will accept it oh father and may your name alone be glorified oh Jesus Lord we don't want to stand in our strength Lord we want to Lord be strengthened by you by the power of your word oh father let your word oh father encourage us empower us to live lives lord that is holy and pleasing to you and to that end we surrender ourselves once again in your altar we thank you lord for this time thank you for speaking to us we love you jesus in jesus precious name we pray amen thank you for listening to this sermon For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.